It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. The half century ago, philosopher and visionary Henry David Thoreau stated this, Thank God men cannot fly lest they would lay waste to the sky as they have done to the earth. I have formally made mention of this passage, but now, more than ever, it needs to be heard. And about laying waste to the skies, last week, from multiple sources, this headline, Should We Dim the Sun? Question mark. It then asks, It's time to talk about solar geoengineering. The grand deception continues to be propagated that the hijacking of Earth's life support systems by the military-industrial complex, i.e., covert global climate engineering operations are just a last-ditch proposal to save our dying planet, which, in fact, ongoing geoengineering operations are, in reality, further destroying. More on that report and other bad news breaking headlines in a moment. But first, this question. Is the human race psychologically capable of saving itself, given the current course of mathematically certain near-term self-annihilation and likely planetary omnicide? Answer, it doesn't look good, and that's putting it lightly. Even at this late hour, with the blinding light from the oncoming train staring us all in the face, almost none have eyes to see. So many blindly cling to their power structure program belief that some magic new technology will appear from nowhere to save the day, so that we can all go on with the loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute planetary party forever. Time to wake up and brace for imminent impact. The controllers bear the most responsibility for the current paradigm. But this question needs to be asked as well. Will populations continue to allow the money printers to decide who will be allowed to remain, at least for a while, and who won't? We'll soon enough find out. On the subject of imminent impacts, from Forbes.com, largest six-month increase in traffic crash deaths ever recorded during the first half of 2021. From that report, the federal government delivered some sobering news. Road fatalities spiked in the first half of 2021, the largest increase ever recorded in its reporting system's history during a six-month period. More than 20,000 people died in motor vehicle crashes in the U.S. The U.S. Transportation Secretary stated, quote, this is a crisis, and then continued by saying the rising traffic deaths left, quote, countless loved ones behind, end quote. How tragic and perplexing. But here's the riddle. Is there a, quote, warp speed connection to the recent all-time record traffic death scenarios? You decide. From COVID-19 to COP26, the horizon grows darker by the day. What are the puzzle pieces and how do they fit together? How are the controllers fueling societal divide and conquer chaos, which so serves their agendas and objectives? Stay tuned. This is Dane Wigginton. You're listening to the non-political, commercial-free Global Alert News Hour, the bad news broadcast brought to you by the world's largest and most visited website on the dire issue of global climate intervention operations, geoengineeringwatch.org. Let's cover some breaking bad news headlines, starting with this. From the expose.uk, children are dying at a rate 62% higher 
than the five-year average since they began to be given the COVID-19 vaccine. Not many official sources or mainstream media mentioning that headline is there. Just one more fact that few are willing to face. Moving on, same subject. Pfizer adds ingredient used to stabilize heart attack victims in vax for kids. From that report, to provide a vaccine with an improved stability profile, the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for use in children 5 to 11 years of age uses tromethamine, that's T-R-I-S, buffer, instead of the phosphate-buffered saline as used in previous formulations and excludes sodium chloride and potassium chloride. So that's supposed to make us all feel better about injecting the children? Let's consider this first. Tromethamine is a blood acid reducer which is used to stabilize people with heart attacks. Here are known side effects. Respiratory depression, local irritation, tissue inflammation, injection site infection, febrile response, chemical phlebitis, venospasm, that's vein spasms, hypervolemia, thrombosis, possible necrosis and sloughing of tissues, transient decreases in blood glucose concentrations, hypoglycemia, hepatocellular necrosis, the list goes on and on. Think Big Pharma and the global controllers are actually concerned with protecting and preserving populations? Think again. Another headline, microbiologist states, why I won't get second COVID shot and why enlisting kids in, quote, clinical trial is unfathomable. Another headline, six studies showing why children don't need and shouldn't get a COVID vaccine. Another headline, these are all from multiple sources, by the way, so you can look them up and investigate for yourself. And I hope you do. Everyone listening to this broadcast, that is the point of this broadcast, to encourage investigation, without which we remain collectively ignorant. And that is a recipe for certain near-term self-annihilation, a road which we are currently on, by the way. Next headline, OSHA changes rule that covers up vaccine injuries, prevents workers' compensation claims. So much cover-up going on right now. And even on the VAR site, the Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System is thought to be only 1% to 5% of the actual vaccine injuries because the medical industry discourages reporting of these injuries because they're making a fortune off the the COVID-19 bonanza. And the actual agenda for those at the top is much, much more grave. Again, consider and remember those who control militaries and societies around the world, the money printers, are well aware of the fact the planet can no longer support populations. What do we expect them to do? Think about it. Another headline, the hospitals are filled with vaccinated patients. Something we're not being told as well. They're just considered COVID cases, and we're not told that they've been vaccinated already because that would taint the public's perception in regard to the official narrative, and those in power certainly don't want that. From Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and all the rest, this, Jin Saki tests positive for COVID-19. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki stated that she tested positive for COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. Next headline. It seems the skepticism in the population is growing by the day. I wonder why. Here's the headline. More than half of unvaccinated Americans say nothing will change their mind. From that report, researchers in Boston, New York, 
in Barcelona, Spain, found that 53% of participants who hadn't been vaccinated won't be convinced by anyone or anything to take the injection. It seems many are now investigating what they're not being told by official sources and corporate media. It's about time. Next headline. Vaccinated just as likely to spread Delta variant within household as unvaccinated. This is from TheHill.com and many other sources. People who have received COVID-19 vaccinations are able to spread the Delta variant within their household despite their vaccination status just as easily as unvaccinated individuals. A new study published has just revealed. According to the study published in the Lancet Infectious Diseases Journal, people who contracted COVID-19 had a similar viral load regardless of whether they had been vaccinated or not. Earlier this month, former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Scott Gottlieb predicted that the, quote, pandemic phase of the COVID-19 virus will end with the approval of antiviral pills and COVID-19 vaccines for children. They just keep changing the goalposts, just holding that carrot out in front of a now increasingly weary and desperate population. Chaos, carnage, and collapse is coming. Count on it. Next headline. OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, gives workers until January 4th to comply with Biden's COVID vaccine mandate. Lawmakers tee up lawsuits. Question. Do the government's own health agencies have the same rules for themselves? Listen carefully to this recent U.S. Senate hearing exchange between Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy and CDC, Centers for Disease Control Director Rochelle Walensky. Here it is. I have limited time. Let me just ask you something else. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. I'm told that 75, to, um, some north of 75% of CDC employees at headquarters are still working remotely. Is that correct? Um, we are following um, regulations through HHS and the federal government. No, that's not my question. I apologize to be rude, but, but, but I'm asking a very straightforward question. I've been told that north of 75% of employees at, at, at CDC headquarters are working remotely. Is that correct? Senator, I don't actually know the number off the top of okay, my head. When you look so down the to... hallway, are there empty desks? Are over 50% of the desks empty? Senator, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. What I will tell you is that we're working closely within HHS and the administration to follow the governmental rules for return to... There was a recent GAO report that shows and released in the last two weeks that there's been no coordinated response from the federal government to get people back into work. Now, if there's any agency that, since we're, that teachers in Fulton County are back at work, that the caseload of COVID in Fulton County is about 88. At its peak, it was 606. Uh, if what I've been told by someone who, frankly, kind of knows that people in laboratories are not showing up, I have no clue how people, how laboratory workers who presumably are vaccinated wearing PPE would consider themselves eligible to stay at home. Uh, I say this because I just want to echo, we've got to lead by example in the federal government. If our public health agencies don't have enough confidence in the immunization and in the PPE to go back to work, fighting infectious diseases, there's going to be a lot of undermining of, an, of a willingness to further fund public health. 
what an absolute circus of insanity it is, and getting worse by the day. How are things going down under in Australia? This headline. More than 4,000 unvaccinated health workers in Queensland are suspended. Another headline from APNews.com. U.S. gives final clearance to COVID-19 shots for kids, 5 to 11. From that report, U.S. health officials gave the final sign-off to Pfizer's kid-sized COVID-19 shot. The report states, this is a milestone that opens a major expansion of the nation's vaccine campaign to children as young as 5 years old. Now let's consider this footnote from the FDA's own website. Only a few months ago, FDA approves first oral blood thinning medication for children. I'm sure the timing is just a coincidence. From numerous major sources, this continuous need for boosting. Moderna chairman says yearly COVID boosters may be required. CDC director, again, Rochelle Walensky, said the U.S. may change its definition of, quote, fully vaccinated as booster shots become available for everybody. And as they change their definition of fully vaccinated, what does that do to statistics, to the record keeping, defining of exactly what has caused hospitalizations or mortalities? You decide. Before we get to biosphere collapse, which, as I've stated so many times, is the bottom line to all of this insanity, let's first consider this recent report. From the Hill.com and other sources, Bill Gates warns world leaders to practice, quote, germ games, end quote, to prepare for bioterrorism attacks. From that report, Bill Gates states bioterrorism is imminent. He further states rather a warning to international authorities that they should engage in, quote, germ games, end quote. Gates further stated that this would require the U.S. and the U.K. to spend tens of billions of dollars on research and development on the next pandemic. Is it already scheduled? The report continues with this, quote, germ games, according to the Science Times, is when government agencies practice scenarios of another pandemic catastrophe, The billionaire Bill Gates says governments and agencies like the World Health Organization and Pandemic Task Force should invest, again, billions to practice, quote, playing with germs, end quote. The report then states this. Six years ago, Gates also warned that an infectious virus will likely kill millions of people across the globe. And let's not forget this. Anthony Fauci's on-film statement in 2017. I remind of this often. If you haven't searched for it and viewed it, you should. Fauci stated that there would be a, quote, surprise pandemic during this presidency. He didn't say could be. He didn't say might be. He said will be. Can Gates and Fauci see the future? Or is there another reason they were so very correct? What do you think? That blank isn't hard to fill in. Gates continued, quote, the nice thing, he said, is a lot of the R&D we need to do to be ready for the next pandemic are things like making vaccines cheap, They're free right now already, right? They're so desperate for the public to get them. They're free. Having big factories, eradicating the flu, Gates said, getting rid of the common cold, making vaccines just a little patch you put on your arm. Things, Gates said, that will be incredibly beneficial, even in the years when we don't have pandemics, end quote. Stop and ponder that entire statement from Mr. Bill Gates, who has long since publicly advocated for reducing global populations 
And as I have stated too many times already, is it even remotely reasonable or even rational to believe that he, Bill Gates, has had a sudden change of heart and now wishes to preserve and protect populations so that they can continue their unchecked proliferation and resource consumption until nothing is left? Stop, stand back, and take a good long look at the wider horizon, which unfortunately far too few are willing to do. Moving on, let's examine the latest biosphere collapse data, and while doing so, ask yourself, is CV-19 the controller response to unfolding and accelerating global environmental collapse? Again, it's up to the individual to decide where the puzzle pieces fit. From multiple major media sources, this climate change, carbon emissions show rapid rebound after COVID dip from that report. This rapid rebound in emissions is at odds with the ambitious CO2 cuts required in order to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees C. The report then states this is the increase viewed by scientists as the gateway to dangerous levels of global warming. Again, a few reminders. The deception coming from academia is mind-numbing. The 1.5 degrees C goal was passed long ago, perhaps two decades ago. We are likely at about 3.5 degrees C temperature rise, and this is based on temperature readings at geoengineeringwatch.org monitors around the globe that are routinely radically underreported. Official high temperatures are radically underreported constantly in every arena that we monitor. And the data indicates we are likely past 3.5 degrees C right now. Total deception from academia and issues like methane not considered in any of the IPCC data. The IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, largest scientific panel ever created in human history. Nothing considered in all the modeling about methane, which is likely the single biggest nail in our collective coffins. By design, the entire system is designed to mask the totality and immediacy of what's unfolding from the population until the brutal bitter end which draws very near. And there's also this statement from the report that continues to be pushed by environmental circles that still refuse to face the climate engineering factor. Quote, 12 years to save Earth. How many have seen that banner? And for the record, again, it's grossly incorrect. First, our formerly thriving planet is done. It's gone. It's not coming back in any time frame that matters. The life support systems of the planet are unraveling by the day. And if you still don't believe that, and you can quote me on this, you will soon. Bet on it. And what do I base that conclusion on? Here's a few fun fact reminders for listeners that are new to the Bad News broadcast. We're neck deep in the sixth known mass extinction on our planet. The most comparable mass extinction was the PEDM event, the Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum. And what is unfolding now, however, is happening conservatively, hundreds of times faster than the PEDM event, which happened 55 million years ago. Thus, this sixth great mass extinction that we find ourselves in is inconceivably worse. The equilibrium time after the PEDM event, which I just mentioned, i.e. the time it took for what could be considered a planetary recovery, was in the range of about 10 to 20 million years. So where does that put us? The party really is over, to a degree that almost none are even willing to contemplate. Now the question is, will anyone survive the ride? Some countries at the COP26 event say they have everything under control by claiming they will eliminate their emissions by 2070. 
Again, we live in a planetary asylum. On the current course, no one will be here. Again, mathematical, statistical fact based on current trajectories with known statistics. Even if every single form of human damage to the planet was brought to a halt today, there's no known way to halt the momentum of what has already been done. Translation, even under the best case scenario, most of the human race won't be around much longer. Again, this analogy. Imagine the Thelma and Louise moment we have collectively crashed through the guardrail, we're sailing through the air to the bottom of the canyon. At this moment, applying the brakes no longer matters. Putting on new tires or anything else, none of it matters. The next stop, again, the bottom of the abyss. And this question remains, will anyone survive the ride? We'll soon enough find out. And does that bleak of a horizon means that this battle is not worth fighting? No, it doesn't mean that. If our collective efforts can get anyone through what's coming, that our species might learn and grow and mature, then the entire journey in this battle will have been worth every single step. If the human race does remain on the current course, leading to planetary omnicide, will life on planet Earth begin again at some point, perhaps many millions of years into the future? Who can possibly know the answer to such a question? No one can, and no one does. More on COP26 from the New York Times. The COP26 climate talks are opening. Here's what to expect, the report states. Here's a hint. Expect nothing but smoke and mirrors. Total deception. And behind closed doors, business as usual, starting with the continued push to further ramp up the ongoing global climate engineering insanity. This report states as the president's and prime ministers arrive in Glasgow this week for a pivotal climate summit. The outcome will determine, to a large extent, how the world's 7 billion people will survive on a hotter planet and whether far worse levels of warming can be averted for future generations. I can tell you the answer to that right now, short of some unforeseen force, is no. We are already committed to a planet that is unimaginably inhospitable compared to the one we've known. Here's a footnote on every single so-called environmental protection organization that we know of. They consist of cowards and hypocrites. They're ultimately only concerned about protecting the funding of their fantasy feel-good fraternities. They refuse to acknowledge the climate engineering assault because they don't want to lose their cash cow nonprofit status. I've stated this over and over and over. It's criminal hypocrisy. If any of the so-called environmental protection organizations solicit you for donations, tell them to face and help to fight the climate engineering, weather warfare, assault, or don't give them a cent. And this footnote reminder, if you think technology will save us from ourselves, again, search and view the Planet of the Humans documentary, and it may take some effort to find it as the bought and paid for environmentalist organizations and social media are doing their best to hide this documentary. At the 40-minute mark, as I've stated on previous broadcasts, an empty expansion of blowing sand is shown. It's in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It's the first or where the first commercial solar geoengineering plant of its type once stood, again in a desolate location, it's now gone, nothing left. I personally helped to construct this facility in the early 1980s. Its fatal design flaws were very apparent to me even then, and far more so now. Another headline from Bloomberg.com, UN Climate Summit starts under cloud after G20 dodges hard questions. From that report, without stronger guidance from the world's biggest economies, negotiators will struggle to reach 
consensus on tough issues. Again, hint, the entire COP26 is orchestrated mass deception and distraction. Pacify populations till the moment of impact, which now draws near. Again, COP26 is ultimately about pushing the climate engineering solar radiation management agenda behind closed doors. This question, does climate engineering negatively affect the three primary forms of alternative energy that's also being pushed at this conference is something we need to do, i.e. solar, wind, and hydro? Short answer, yes, to a degree that can not truly be quantified. By its very definition, SRM, solar radiation management, is about blocking direct sunlight, spraying light-scattering particles into the sky to block direct sunlight. Aside from the obvious negative impact on crops, the air we breathe, plankton, and the rest of the web of life that completely depends on unobstructed sunlight and clean air and clean water, the sun-blocking operations decimate solar power production. Next, the atmospheric solar radiation management aerosol canopy negatively affects convection, which in turn reduces overall global winds. And yes, there are still extreme wind events, many of which are getting even worse. Climate engineering is all too often completely connected to that scenario as well. But about the overall reduction of global wind movement, a condition now scientifically termed global stilling, climate engineering is the single biggest factor. Wind power, which is already questionable at best in regard to being an alternative energy source, is now even further impacted, again, due to climate engineering, aerosols, and the effect on convection, which then in turn affects winds. And third, hydropower production. Again, climate engineering is wreaking havoc in the equation. Overall global precipitation is decreasing substantially and hydropower production with it. This overall decrease in our rain is impossible as I've stated so many times, on a rapidly warming planet. And this is based on the laws of physics. The atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. So, if there is less overall rain, which is the case, there must be a factor that is not being disclosed. And that factor is climate engineering. Search the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more. And me personally, I have been affected by all three forms of this alternative energy reduction. At my home, I have a 15 kW solar system. I have three wind turbines, and I have a hydro system as well. The hydro system once ran six months a year. Last year, it was two weeks. That's it. The wind turbines seldom turn now. Probably 20% of once they once did. And solar power production on so many days is dismal at best. When the light scattering particles are in the sky, and that doesn't mean the visible light has been greatly diminished, but if you block direct sunlight from the panels, the production is hugely impacted. And what's this doing to photosynthesis? Again, in addition to shredding the ozone layer, so when you do get unobstructed sunlight, the UV singes everything, or you get a diffuse sunlight, in which case photosynthesis doesn't function properly either. We are painting ourselves in an unimaginably dark corner. Another headline from the UK Guardian, COP26, quote, you might as well bomb us, states the president of Palau, referring to the continued trajectory of the global controllers and the human population as a whole. Island nations in the Pacific and elsewhere are on borrowed time, as is Florida, as our Parts of coastlines everywhere that are at or very near sea level. It's coming and it's accelerating. You have many factors 
in this equation, including thermal expansion. It's not just the melting of polar ice that raises sea levels. Again, with thermal expansion, just the simple heating of the ocean raises sea levels. As ice melts off land masses, the land masses begin to rise out of the ocean. It's called glacial rebound, which displaces even more ocean. In in regard to the polar ice, sea-based ice does not significantly affect sea level rise because it's already displacing water like your ice cubes in a glass of water when the ice cubes melt the water doesn't overflow because the ice was already displacing the water it's the land-based ice that has the massive effect there is statistically enough ice on greenland to raise sea levels 21 to 24 feet enough ice in antarctica if it all melts and at this point that is extraordinarily likely in the geologic blink of an eye, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's happening rapidly and it's accelerating. There's enough ice in Antarctica to raise sea levels about 197 feet. We're talking about a rearrangement of coastlines around the world, and we are already committed to an extraordinary degree of rising far greater than any official agency has yet disclosed. And again, climate engineering in the attempt to mask what is unfolding from the populations for as long as possible and by weaponizing the weather is radically accelerating the entire equation. Next headline. Pledge to protect oceans to fight climate change is, quote, weak, states NGO. That's a non-governmental organization. In this case, Greenpeace. Let's add this correction to the headline I just read. The attempt to that we're told to protect the oceans is, is not just weak. It's functionally non-existent. No industrialized nation is planning on altering their current course of self-annihilation. They plan on further ramping up the solar radiation management, climate engineering assault, a fact that, unfortunately, the hypocrites at Greenpeace won't acknowledge. Liars on one side of the fence, hypocrites on the other. Take your pick. And about the COP26 claim that more effort will be made to protect the oceans, what does that even imply? Perhaps that they will try to be a bit more stealthy about using the seas for a toxic waste dump so that issues that recently surfaced, like the half million barrels of DDT that were dumped into the Catalina Channel off the coast of L.A., are not discovered? On the current trajectory, Earth's once-thriving seas will very soon be nothing more than a toxic, superheated, deoxygenated dead zone. Canfield Ocean. Look that one up. But what about the forests? COP26 will save those, right? Not so much. From the UK Guardian, COP26, world leaders agree on deal to end deforestation. Hot air, nothing more, no pun intended. The puppet leaders of the world's core deforestation nations promise to be good. Really? Not now, they say, but 10 years from now. Right. Only in some alternate reality, the planet is in the grip of a darkness so vast that it can't be truly comprehended. But what about nuclear power? That will keep the loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute party going, right? And nuclear weapons, that'll save us if anything goes wrong, right? How about this? 444 nuclear reactors around the globe, all of which will go into meltdown on the current course. Takes about 20 years at minimum to cold shut down a reactor. Now we have a damaged atmosphere. Now if we have a large CME, i.e. solar flare, like the Carrington event from the 1800s, that will shut down grids all around the world. We have nuclear plants that won't be able to cool themselves. Now we have Fukushima times many, many more, hundreds perhaps. We have rising sea levels that will inundate all the nuclear facilities that were placed at sea level. 
How smart was that by our so-called academic community? We have over 1,300 nuclear fuel rod pools. All of those will eventually go into meltdown on the current course. We've had over 2,000 nuclear detonations on planet Earth, the contamination of which will stay with us, in essence, forever, billions of years for a half-life. There's over 14,000 nuclear weapons left, and there's over 250,000 tons of toxic radiated nuclear waste that the controllers are just looking for a place to put, and who knows how much of it they've hidden, who knows where, already. Let's take another look at the total hypocrisy of the controllers. From multiple sources, COP26, the 2021 UN Climate Change Conference, and 400 private jets. Think about that for a minute. 400 private jets carrying world leaders and business executives from around the world. And they are pretending that they are meeting to save the world from exactly what they are doing more than anyone else on the planet. Climate engineering has been and continues to be the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex and the global controllers. On that note, bouncing back to the assault on the biosphere, which is the bottom line again. It will remain the bottom line. Everything else is connected to that. From Fox News, this headline from last week, Alaskans brace for a record 12 feet of snow in two days. The report states an atmospheric river is setting up Southeastern Alaska for a huge snowfall. The report then states the jet stream is focusing moist subtropical air into southeastern Alaska. That moist air will move north and is pushing up against a low-pressure center, bringing freezing temperatures southward into western Alaska. What a pack of lies this is. From the power structure control climate engineering cover-up organizations that propagate this cover-up of climate engineering operations, this is the scenario that's taking place. First, yes, Subtropical moisture was fire-hosed into coastal Alaska, where the atmospheric moisture was bombarded with patented chemical ice-nucleating elements. Welcome to Engineered Winter. Don't believe it? Then you have not done honest investigative research. Please, take the time to do so. Engineering toxic surface cool-downs is a primary activity of the climate engineering cabal. Go to the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, review the entire Engineering Winter section, if you want to better grasp the totality of what's being done in our skies. And about the engineered cooldowns, many ask why. And there are many reasons. But the sensationalized headlines they create is core. Such headlines further fuel the public's confusion and division regarding the true state of the climate. And such events help to mask the totality of the abrupt climate collapse that's already very advanced and accelerating by the day. In the attempt to hide this fact from the masses, the climate engineers are actually further fueling the overall process. So, if you're convinced that the record snowpocalypse in Alaska was a random act of nature on a planet that's hurling toward total meltdown, then please stay with me as I cover a few more puzzle pieces. And let's start with this, a statement from an Inuit elder, an indigenous Arctic inhabitant, who stated this, When I was a young child, we would hunt with our dogs on the sea ice. For generations we have done this, but the ice has failed again this winter. It is rotten, and we cannot do anything. It is very difficult for our people today. I cannot tell you what the future brings, but if this weather continues, people around the world will have big problems. Words of wisdom from one who is completely connected to the natural world. What's unfolding in the Arctic is core to all that's unfolding, core to our collective futures, including the protocols being pushed by the power structures 
I'll continue to cover the fate of the Arctic, along with the climate intervention operations that are further fueling the overall scenario at the top of the world. Many tell me they don't know what to believe in regard to the true state of polar ice. Here's my response. Believe what you can see with your own eyes. Search and view the non-political documentary Chasing Ice. It's available for viewing online for only, I believe, $3. This documentary is, again, non-political. It is filled with absolutely shocking frontline film footage of what can only be described as total polar meltdown. The fact that the controller's will continue to do everything they can to mask from public view until the moment of impact. Total societal and biosphere collapse. I fully understand the weight of that stated conclusion. I wrestle with it a hundred times a day. But I won't turn away. I can't. And for all those that feel they are trekking alone in this journey, please stay with me on this broadcast, and I will elaborate. On that note... I want to express my deepest gratitude to each and every individual that's doing their best to stay informed, to wake others with credible data from a credible source, and in doing so, helping to turn the tide of insanity. Thank you for making your voices heard in this most critical effort to sound the alarm. It's our collective actions that can yet make a difference. This is Dane Wigington. You're listening to the Global Alert News Hour, episode number 326, November 6th, 2021. Again, the bad news broadcast, but it's critical information that covers the issues we must collectively face if we're to have any chance of changing course. This non-political, commercial-free frontline news broadcast is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org and paid for by geoengineeringwatch.org. This news hour is broadcast on AM and FM stations in Northern California, Washington State, on the East Coast, in Alabama, San Antonio, Texas, Tampa, Florida, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego, Portland, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, and Columbus, Ohio. I want to express my deepest gratitude to all those that have helped geoengineeringwatch.org expand our voice to so many major locations. Recordings of the weekly GAN broadcast, Global Alert News, can be found at geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent top stories and radio sections. The latest geoengineeringwatch.org awareness raising materials can be ordered from our homepage for our approximate cost of producing and shipping. Our color glossy flyers and booklets are packed with shocking satellite images, documents, patents, photos of retrofit spray nozzles mounted on climate engineering aircraft. The list goes on and on. Again, our only goal is to sound the alarm as effectively and efficiently as possible. On that note, the recently completed geoengineeringwatch.org documentary on climate engineering titled The Dimming conclusively proves climate engineering operations are ongoing. This groundbreaking documentary is now posted on the top center of the geoengineeringwatch.org homepage. Please help us to overcome social media censorship and to expose the insanity in our skies by sharing the link to this groundbreaking documentary that fully exposes the ongoing climate engineering onslaught. Sharing the link for the documentary directly from geoengineeringwatch.org through email helps us to overcome the attempt of the controllers to censor the dimming documentary and geoengineeringwatch.org data. A key ally in the fight to expose and halt the climate engineering operations is the GEMFAIR group, G-E-M-F-A-I-R-E. Every GEMFAIR event has a geoengineeringwatch.org informational booth with free geoengineeringwatch.org materials. There's currently a GEMFAIR event in Eugene, Oregon. Started yesterday, ends tomorrow at the Lane County Events Center. If you're near this event, please show your support for the GEMFAIR group. Go to the event get materials that you can use to wake those around you and ask them to do the same. We must expand these fires of awareness until we reach a critical mass of awareness. It's the only way forward in this fight. Next weekend at Puyallup, Washington, November 12th through November 14th at the Washington State Fair Event Center, another gym fair event. 
The Gym Fair Group has done so much to advance the fight against climate engineering. If you're anywhere near these events, again, please show up and show your support. Get the materials you need to wake those around you. Moving on, as mentioned in the beginning of this broadcast, from CNET.com and other sources, should we dim the sun? Question mark. It's time to talk about solar geoengineering. That's the headline. From that report, sulfates come with a number of drawbacks, sulfates being what geoengineering utilizes to disperse into our atmosphere. Although official sources like this one are pretending it's only a proposal. The report continues, they've been shown to damage the ozone layer and heat the lower tropical stratosphere and parts of the troposphere as well because that's where these elements are actually being dispersed generally. The troposphere, except in the polar regions where the stratosphere elevation is lower. The report then states, it's unclear how the introduction of these compounds into the atmosphere might influence rainfall patterns, talked about that earlier in this broadcast, or whether they might disturb certain aspects of the Earth's natural processes. This is so incredibly ludicrous. Might disturb certain aspects of the Earth's natural processes? How could blanketing the planet in a toxic layer of aerosols not disturb Earth's natural processes? The report then states, we may be altering the climate even more than we anticipate. It's done. It's been done. And yet, the whole of academia is pretending that it's some proposal that has yet to be deployed. report goes on to say this, even though solar geoengineering had been a topic for years, some trace it to U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson in the 60s, again at the beginning of every Global Alert News broadcast, you can see Johnson stating we had the power to control the world's cloud layer then, and that, quote, he who controls the weather controls the world. report, after mentioning Johnson, though, goes on to say scientists rarely spoke about it, i.e. geoengineering. They didn't do the study. No, it was already deployed, and they're pretending it hasn't been. The report continues with this. The silence surrounding solar geoengineering was largely caused by fear that even talking about it would create a, quote, moral hazard. Is that the only reason no one's talking about it? No, let's not forget that pesky, illegal federal gag order on all the nation's weather personnel, the National Weather Service and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, illegal federal gag order. Here's a final excerpt from the CNET geoengineering report. Quote, if we had a technology, a technological solution like this, it might reduce carbon emissions, easing pressure on fossil fuel industries and politicians. Exactly. Hide the problem while simultaneously making it exponentially worse and poisoning the entire planet in the process. Welcome to geoengineering. Who else is talking about the need to spray our skies with toxic climate engineering aerosols while pretending climate engineering hasn't already been going on for over 75 years? The list is long and growing. Here's a few recent examples from the crimson.com. Quote, is it time to consider dimming the sun? Question mark. Another recent headline from the New York Times, should we block the sun? Scientists say the time has come to study it. Also from the New York Times, should we dim the sun? Question mark. Will we even have a choice? Question mark. From popularmechanics.com, Bill Gates is thinking about dimming the sun. Again, Bill Gates, just a puppet in the play, mass distraction, pretending his experiments are somehow valid when in fact they're nothing but a distraction, nothing but a red herring. From nature.com, U.S. urged to invest in sun-dimming studies as climate warms. From popularscience.com, is blocking out the sun a good solution to the climate crisis? Question mark. 
I just think about the insanity of, of what people perceive as being legitimate publications, all controlled by the power structure, proposing that we cocoon the planet in a toxic layer of heavy metals and polymers. And they have the audacity to ask if that might be a good solution to the climate crisis. Does anybody ever mention that all this material settles down to the surface where the entire web of life gets to absorb it, including us inhaling it with every breath we take? Not a single mention. Even these proposals, even in their pretending that it's not going on, they're just proposing it. Never in their proposals do they mention that everything they spray into the sky obviously ends up at the surface of the planet where the contamination is ubiquitous as it is right now. So you get the idea. Let's all just keep pretending climate engineering operations aren't actually raging in the skies all over the world. For the western U.S., for the moment, the weathermakers have significantly altered what was previously scheduled as of only three weeks ago. All the long-term weather scripts showed almost no rain till nearly the first of the year. That's what was shown again up until three weeks ago. Much has changed, for now at least. But this being said, the scheduled weather shows in the weeks to come up to a week. In fact, one report showed almost two weeks in Northern California with solid cloud cover, but no rain. This is unprecedented. Never historically would you have two weeks of solid cloud cover at this time of year with no rain. But that's what it shows. And that doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. The schedule weather changes day to day as new scripts are entered and then passed down to the local meteorologist level. In recent years, there's so many days with a nearly featureless sky and no organized storm activity, just drifting masses of moisture that drops and drizzles fall out occasionally when scheduled and sometimes the occasional downpour. But overall, very different from years past. Unprecedented jet stream manipulation configurations also are increasingly being noted. This is a result of ionosphere heaters, which create upper-level pressure zones, which steers upper-level wind currents. This is science fact. View the documentary Holes in Heaven for a better idea of what ionosphere heaters can do. This is a shocking weapon of mass destruction, nothing less. Satellite radar combination loops from numerous sources reveal constant and shocking anomalies. For example, the loop images often show precipitation migrating across vast regions when in fact there is no rain at the surface level. In a number of the satellite radar loops, the impact of radio frequency microwave transmissions on the migrating atmospheric moisture can very easily be witnessed. The transmissions have a precipitation scattering effect. A repelling effect. In Northern California, the rain so often comes late and less if it comes at all. Yes, there are exceptions. And yes, we did have some much needed rainfall in Northern California recently, but nothing that deserved the hype it got. Is the climate engineering toxic particulate fallout ubiquitous all over the world? Short answer, yes. Climate engineering operations are a core component of the most toxic atmospheric pollution particles, though no official testing is done for these nanoparticles of heavy metals and polymers. It's imperative to understand how the air quality testing system works. By design, it was never meant to identify the climate engineering fallout. Most air quality testing involves testing down to 10 microns. At best, some air quality systems can test down to 2.5 microns. What we're dealing with 
in regard to climate engineering particles is elements from the 20 to 80 nanometer range. That is the particle size that we found in our samples in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Flying Lab that we put top scientists in, we being geoengineeringwatch.org. And they went to altitude behind heavy aircraft, collected samples, tested at one of the world's top labs. That's what we found, starting with aluminum particles in the 20 to 80 nanometer range. This is highly toxic material. The smaller the particle, the more toxic it is. The more easily it's absorbed, the more readily it adheres itself to your cell receptors like a plaque, the more difficult it is to get out of your system ever. And again, all this raining down through our skies and not being detected because air quality testing by design doesn't show any of these particles. All of them go into the radar. All of them go undetected because the the systems that are used to detect atmospheric particles only go down to 10 microns and some down to 2.5 microns, which are exponentially larger particles. So all of these smaller, more toxic, more lethal particles go completely unacknowledged by design. I'm almost out of time and I need to switch gears as there's two more key bases I wish to cover. First, alarming testimony from a contact in La Palma where the eruption continues to rage. And lastly, the feeling of aloneness that comes with dedicating oneself to fully facing the truth. First, about the La Palma eruption from Ignacio, a contact in La Palma. He states Spain has performed its first ever tsunami drill. It took place in the southwest Atlantic coast. This is the official regional government site talking about it. He states they have even published a nice tsunami guide for the local population. The event has been widely covered, the event being the tsunami warning by all Spanish newspapers. Ignacio then states official media hasn't connected these drills with the La Palma volcano in any way, although many people see this with suspicion, and suddenly authorities are talking about tsunami risks for the first time ever. Then Ignacio states this, There are also some strange news in the area about, quote, mysterious humming sounds coming from the sky in the hours before and after small earthquakes. He then states, this has been reported for at least four years, sometimes together with lights in the sky. And strangely enough, just between 30% and 50% of the population is able to hear it. This is not reported by any official media, Ignacio states. Just online sources. Signed, best wishes, Ignacio. Thank you, Ignacio, for that frontline update from La Palma. What is the totality of silent weapons for quiet wars that are being waged by criminally insane power structures that have long since taken total control of militaries and societies all over the world? While first world populations were pacified with material gain and personal pursuits of pleasure. Again, this reminder, those in power could not do what they do without the active or passive support of the majority population. We have seen the enemy, and he is us. When will that cooperation with the criminally insane be severed? When will the majority of the population draw a line in the sand? Consider this excerpt from the Australian Project, Author Unknown. Sometimes it's a curse and not always a blessing to awaken, to be awake. Awakening is the most liberating, alienating, 
excruciating, empowering, lonely, confusing, freeing, frightening, expansive journey. If you find yourself struggling as you try to process all this insanity, know you're not alone. No one talks about the darkness that accompanies awakening or the grief, not only grieving the life and illusions you once had, but the realization that almost everything you thought you once knew is a lie. The beliefs you held, the people you've trusted, the principles you were taught, all lies. Shattering illusions are rarely an enjoyable experience. There's a deep discomfort that comes with growth. And the grieving process doesn't stop there. With these newfound realizations, you then find yourself grieving all over again. Grieving the loss of many relationships with people who just don't get it. Feeling alone, being ridiculed and shamed, not only by the masses, but for many of us, our very own families and friends as well. A feeling like you no longer have much or anything at all in common with the people you're surrounded by. The struggle with carrying on meaningless, shallow conversations that lack substance with those who are still fast asleep. Even feeling completely disconnected from your entire support system because they can't see what you see. Many understandably even grieve the loss of their ignorance because ignorance is bliss, as the proverb goes, and reality is harsh. Awakening can be, and generally is, a very lonely road, and you'll often find yourself journeying alone. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Awakening to the realities of this world is brutal. It can have you endlessly running through the entire gauntlet of human emotions. And one must learn to master the art of diving down the darkest of rabbit holes only to come out and still function in daily life. That's a skill people don't talk about enough. This must change. Many are struggling with feeling disconnected from family and friends. It's as though they exist in another world. Again, know that you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, you have an already extensive and rapidly growing legion standing with you. We may be separated by miles, but we are deeply connected in purpose and in spirit. We are completely committed to a common mission, and we will never yield to the fading of the light, ever. As we collectively march forward toward the gathering storm before us, our numbers grow by the day. We must fuel and feed that fire. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the great imperative in this battle. Share credible data from a credible source. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay safe, stay strong. This is Dane Wigington with GeoengineeringWatch.org.